Thanks, Danny. You can be seated. You know, I love in that song where it says that he's going to break every chain. He breaks through oppression. We've seen that happen here at Community of Faith as you've been such a part even of uh, making a difference, breaking the sex trafficking industry, even right here in Houston as well as in India and in, uh, Nicaragua and Costa Rica, lots of places around the globe. And um, one of the, the little ones, the little gals that have been rescued, she just was really wanting to share her story with you this Christmas. So listen to Faith's story and her new mom, Michelle. When I turned eight, my mom sold me to the cartel for a lifetime supply of drugs. I didn't understand anything, what was going on. Sometimes I felt dead inside, I didn't know. Early on, I started going to drugs. I was on, I was on meth, I was doing weed, I was doing coke, like I was doing almost everything, just to numb the pain. And um, I've been killed almost too many times to count. I've been shot, stabbed, been kidnapped. And like, I'm pr I just remember praying and hearing myself talk, God has a better plan for me. So I'm, I'm gonna get out of this. I don't know when, but I know. Pretty much my whole life, all I ever wanted to be was a mom. And so I was married for several years and we tried to have babies and went through multiple fertility doctors and treatments and a lot of frustration. It was a roller coaster ride. And I really feel like, you know, it caused our divorce and just the strain of not being able to have children. I was in CPS for, since I was 15, all the way up to my, close to my 18th birthday. I won a foster home setting, like I was tired of the structure, like facility type structures, like it wasn't working for me. It just made me more angry. I didn't have no freedom. So Hope Rising called and said they're interested. So then I had an interview and after that, about two weeks, Later, I moved in at the Meadows. I had the realization that I was probably never ever going to be a mom and that was really hard for me and I was angry. I had a huge hole in my heart. I had been putting on my prayer request, asking the Lord to use me for a greater purpose. And at that point, I was volunteering a lot. I was doing a lot of different things. I remember watching a, a video about Hope Rising when they first introduced it to the church. And I was drawn to keep going back for about a year and a half, volunteering like twice a week and just grooming horses and brushing horses and bathing horses and just being in that environment, knowing that I was doing something. And then finally, they in December of 2017, they had their first foster um, daughter. And I met her. We met when I first came to the Hope Rising house, and they asked me, do I want to come help set up the other foster house? I was like, sure, I'm, I'm at the house, I have nothing to do, I want to come help. Um, Faith was the first one. She actually had come over here when I was getting the house ready, and little did she know she was painting her own bedroom. And I remember asking, I was like, I want to come live with you. Like, I really want to live with you. She said, maybe that can happen. You know, my heart was like, oh yes, this would be the perfect place for me. 
when they asked me, would you ever consider being a foster parent? I didn't hesitate. I didn't, you know, say I have to get back to you or anything. I could hear Mark in my head and I said, I'm all in. I just felt that this journey was exactly what God had intended for me all along. He didn't give me babies, but he was gonna give me girls to foster and it all made sense. I was a dropout, eighth grade dropout. I didn't think I was ever going back to school. I thought that I was gonna end up dead on the streets or living on the streets for the rest of my life. Just gonna be a dropout. And now having a mom that actually cares and a family that actually cares, that wants me to do better for myself. This is my senior year. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to college, never thought I'd go to college. Had I not made those sacrifices that I made, I wouldn't have the life that I now live. One, I would have never had the opportunity to, to be a mom to these girls that have come in and out of my life, and I've been able to love on them, share gospel with them. When I first moved in with my mom, we went to First Thursday. It was the first time we went. She was like, I want to take on my church. And I was like, okay. My journey with COF has been amazing. I gave my life to God there. I have been baptized there. They have COF. If it wasn't for COF, I wouldn't be as close to God as I am now. Hearing my girls sing about their love for the Lord and the words that they're singing and going to church and watching them raise their hands and sing their hearts out and, and praise Jesus. Those are sacred moments for me. And then to have Faith become my adopted daughter is unbelievable. I'm gonna have grandchildren someday. So the sacrifices were well worth it. And as far as like a, a, a dream life or any of that, that doesn't really exist because I tried that on my own and, you know, thinking that I'd lived a life that was uh, privileged and had nice cars and had nice things, material things, and life is really simple now. It's richer than I could ever imagine, for sure. I love how God weaves our stories together and how he's always seeking to bring us home. And that's what we want to talk to you about in just a little bit. Before we do that, uh, one of our big traditions is our Christmas offering. Every penny of this offering goes out around the globe right here in Houston and then on out around the globe. We just found out the trade school that you started in Bujumbura, Burundi, just graduated its 500th student, so we're really excited about that. And in that part, in that province, that part of the province where they are, they represent um, a big portion, of, like 13% or something of the workforce. So you can see that there's not a lot of people working. We got to keep working with them. So every penny of this goes out. You can text to give right there using your phone, or if you look underneath your chair and you see a white bucket, pass it to the other end and let's put some gifts in there. Let's give our best gift 
to Jesus this Christmas. Let me pray for you while you do that. You can just keep passing, I'll pray. God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to be a church like this. Thank you that we can give all of this back out to your kingdom because you gave so much to us at Christmas. We just wanna honor you and tell you that we love it. And I just ask that as, even as you broke oppression, as you broke through time and space, and you broke those chains, let us as your church break chains all around us, starting right here at home and moving all the way around the world. I thank you for community of faith. I thank you for what you're gonna do in and through us in 2020. And we look forward to all you have. In Jesus' name, amen. The end of a decade is almost here. As we enter into this new year, with new expectations and new goals, we all have the chance to do something even greater than before. To not just play the game, but play the game to win. To win with a new perspective, with a new dedication and discipline. To push past old habits and win with a new purpose. to win with forgiveness and with grace, even when it means extending it to yourself. To win as a team and find true community. This is the place and this is the year that we go for the win. That is our new series beginning January 4th and 5th. I want 2020 to be the year that's your year as you go for the win in your marriage. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about relationships. We'll talk about parenting. We'll talk about a lot of different things in life. So I want you to be there for that beginning on the 4th and the 5th. Don't miss it. It's going to be a really incredible series. You know, at Christmas time, we hear a lot about coming home. It's one of the major themes of Christmas. You find it in all kinds of songs. I'll be home for Christmas. You see it in the movies. You see it in books, all the children's books talk about things like that. But here's the thing. I know we all long for home, but it seems like in this journey called life, it's so easy to get so lost. And maybe that's where you find yourself this afternoon. We can get so lost and the human race lost its way a long time ago, and it's really become kind of a confusing world we live in. I love the story that Jesus told. It's one of my favorite stories of his about the shepherd who had a 100 sheep, and one of the little lambs wandered away, and it got lost out somewhere, got caught in a, in a thicket or something, you know, and, and far, far away, and it's lost and alone, and the Bible says, Jesus said, he said that shepherd put his 99 sheep in the pen and he went out and he looked for the one little lost one. And he looked and he looked and he looked until he found it finally. And with great joy, he rescued that little lamb, placed it on his shoulders and with a big grin on his face, carried it all the way back home. And Jesus said, that little lamb is you and I'm the shepherd and I'm looking for you. I'm searching for you. I'm wanting to find you. And one of the things that 
we understand at Christmas is that Jesus, that's what Christmas is. Jesus came to find us. I want you to consider a different kind of, of homecoming, not just coming home to maybe you know a relative's house or maybe coming back to your parents' house or whatever that you've done this Christmas, but coming home spiritually, a spiritual homecoming. I want you to experience that. It seems like we can get so distracted. We can go for days and, and, and weeks, maybe even from Christmas to Christmas and, and not really think much about God. It's easy to kind of let him get pushed little by little out of our lives, even though he's the very reason we're here. So we need to come back to God, to come home to him at Christmas. But exactly how do we do that? I, 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 is there anyone that can show us the way home? Mark, I think the Christmas story has the perfect person to show us just that. I think Mary shows us the way. We first discover Mary in scripture in the middle of what she believed to be the good life with her fiance. She was busy making plans, getting ready to be married like the rest of us. She had everything planned out. We find Mary, she was a, a young teenager, probably 14, 15 years old. She's engaged to Joseph. And I imagine like any other young couple, they're dreaming about what their life together is gonna be like. They're getting ready to embark on one of life's greatest adventures called marriage. She was just a normal girl living a normal life. And then suddenly, on an ordinary day, everything got turned upside down. Every plan she'd ever made, every thought she had about her future, everything changed in an instant. And she reacted pretty much like you or I would, I think. Listen to her response in the scripture. Luke 1.29 says, but when she, talking about Mary, saw him, the angel, she was greatly troubled and disturbed and confused at what he said and kept revolving in her mind what such, what such a greeting might mean. It could have easily been one of us. You know, what's so interesting about that little verse is the, the Greek word, in the original language of the New Testament, it's Greek. And to revolve in one's mind, we've translated into English, but it's just one word in Greek, dioligazomai. And what, what it means is to have an inner dialogue with yourself, but this crazy inner dialogue. It's like maybe the first time OCD is mentioned in the Bible, you know, where, where, where you're just like, it's going round and around and around, revolving in your mind, you know, she's thinking that you're gonna have a baby, it's gonna be God's baby. What's Joseph gonna think? Is he really gonna believe that? What's my mom gonna think, you know? What, what are the leaders of the, of the temple? What are they gonna think? I mean, uh, I, 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 how am I gonna figure this out? And she's just kind of making herself crazy. And that's so different, I think, than, than the picture that we tend to have about Christmas. You know, we've heard the story so often that, that we miss the surprise of it. We tend to paint it a picture of this serene night, you know, everything was perfect and, and peaceful, almost like a Norman Rockwell type quality to it. But that's not really how that first Christmas was. It was very different. In our homes, I know we put out, set out the manger scenes. Do you do that? And if you're like me, you get out the Christmas candles because I like to have those smells of Christmas, you know, cinnamon and apple and the pumpkin spice latte <laughs> in the home. But you know, that's not really what that first Christmas smelled like. I mean, think about it, right? If you're gonna have the 
real smell of Christmas, I mean, you're going to be burning that candle that smells like shepherd sweat or <laughs> camel Yum. dung, you know, or dirty donkey. Where do we buy know, that? <laughs> it wasn't really that beautiful of a night that we imagine in our minds. And we sing about it as if it were perfect, you know, the cattle are lowing. I mean, think about that. There's a cow in the delivery room, ladies. <laughs> That's not quite the perfect scene, is it? But we're so familiar of it, with it that we overlook all of those things. We don't see exactly what's happening. But here's what I want you to see tonight. God did all of this on purpose. It wasn't by accident. It happened by design. Everything God does is purposeful and has, and it's planned. He's telling us something here about the way he loves us. He's telling us something about how much he loves us. That first Christmas reminds us that God understands everything we're going through. He didn't exempt himself. He was there. He came down in the middle of it. He stepped into the chaos. He stepped into the mess of that first Christmas. He lived it. He felt it. He experienced it. He was there. And he wants to step into our lives too into the chaos of it, into the mess of it, into your grief, your depression, your struggle, the hurt. He wants to walk with you in it. That's what Christmas is trying to tell you. And I don't know where you are in your life, but I'm pretty sure it's not perfect. We all have stuff, don't we? And Christmas tells us that God wants to come into your life and walk with you in it. That's why he came down. That's why he called himself Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe like Mary on that first Christmas night, you're here tonight and you're feeling a little bit confused or a little bit disturbed or a little bit troubled. Maybe you lie in bed at night trying to figure everything out. It's all revolving in your mind just like it was in Mary's head. What am I gonna do? How am I gonna fix it? Where is God? Does he even care? Does he really even love me? Your shoulders are tight. Your fists are clenched. You feel so lost. What do we do? How do we get home from there? I think again that Mary shows us the way. Just like she got out of her head, we need to see how to do that tonight. I want you to look back again at that first encounter with the angel. Mary started out troubled and disturbed, just like we said, but she didn't stay there. It didn't end up that way. I want you to hear the end of the conversation, and I want to look at it in the voice translation because I think that translation helps us see the nuances of the Greek really clearly, and there's a little phrase in here that I think makes all the difference. Listen to Luke 1.38. Mary, deciding in her heart, responded, here I am, the Lord's humble servant. As you have said, let it be done to me. The Greek for humble servant there is doulos, and it means one who commits herself to do the master's will. A humble servant is committed to do the master's will. And I think that's the key. Mary had all this stuff spinning around in her head, but she decided in that moment that though she didn't understand everything, though she couldn't figure it out, she had a heavenly father who did understand. She had a heavenly father that she could trust. She had a heavenly father that loved her and she knew he had good plans for her. We see this idea again when we read the story of the shepherds just a few verses later. They've just seen the multitude of angels in the sky. It had never happened before and I don't think it's ever happened since. And listen to what the Bible says. 
They, talking about the shepherds, hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up these things in her heart and meditating on them. Everybody else was talking about the news that the shepherds had shared, trying to figure it out. What does this mean? What does it mean for us? Is what they're saying true? But Mary had already made a decision. She'd already chosen to trust God, and now she could sit and just treasure these things in her heart. She didn't have to try to figure it out. She'd moved from her head to her heart. And that's what a faithful servant does, a humble servant. She realized it wasn't her job to figure it out. That was God's job. A humble servant doesn't have to figure everything out, but we try so hard to do that, don't we? We try so hard to figure things out. If you're here tonight and you're trying to understand and figure out the chaos of your life, I just wanna tell you, you're not gonna be able to. I mean, how long have you been trying? For weeks, for months, for years maybe? It's not your job. You don't have to figure it out. The humble servant doesn't live in the head. The humble servant lives in their heart. They simply listen and obey. That's what Mary did. That's what she said. God, I trust you. I'll obey you. Do whatever it is you say you wanna do with my life. That was Mary's attitude and that was key for her. Even Jesus knew that our tendency was to wear ourselves out like that. Listen to his words in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus said, if you are tired from carrying heavy burdens, come home to me and I will give you rest, rest for your soul. I love that verse because it just feels like the opposite of what most of us think of when we think of God calling us to come home to him. I mean, if you're like me, you imagine God saying, come home to me and I will give you rituals. Come home to me and I'll give you rules. I'll give you regulations. I'll give you religion. But God didn't say any of that. That's not what he said. He said, come home to me and I will give you rest. Little lamb, maybe you're here this afternoon and you just feel so lost, so anxious, so alone. We wanna let you in on the secret of Christmas. Home is all around us. What if home, finding our way home, was as simple as getting out of our heads and into our hearts? God is all around us. That's what the scripture teaches us and he wants us to move out of our heads and into our hearts and begin to experience that because if we do that, we're gonna discover home is not far away and neither is he. The apostle Paul was speaking to the intellectuals of Athens and he said something that was so interesting. He said sometimes it feels like trying to find God is like feeling out in pitch blackness. Where is God? I don't understand what's going on. But then he said this to them, but God is very near. He said it this way, for in him we live and move and have our being. I was talking to a friend a few weeks ago and he brought up something, it intrigued me, so I researched it. It's basically made a huge impact on my life in the last few weeks. I was looking back, I saw that many uh, theologians researchers, um, scholars, when they go all the way back with me to Moses at the burning bush. At the burning bush, 3,500 years ago, Moses says, God, what is your name? 
because I need to go, if you want me to go and rescue these people, I need to know what your name is. And God gives him his name and it's written in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament. And here's how it's spelled, Y-H-W-H, all consonants. We've added an A and an E in English, so sometimes we'll say Yahweh. Maybe you've heard that word Yahweh. His name is Yahweh, but the Jewish people have always said that that great name of God was unspeakable. And I didn't understand that exactly. Um, And then as I studied this, I saw that many scholars believe that because Y-H-W-H are the only consonants that are not articulated in Hebrew with the lips, with the tongue. Rather, they're breathed with the, with the tongue relaxed, the lips apart. Y-H-W-H sounds like breathing. Let me show you. It's like, Yahweh, Yahweh. You know, and that's how it sounds. It's like the, the inhalation and the exhalation of breath. And that seems to be the correct pronunciation. What if the name of God is the sound of breathing? Moses, here is my name. And this gentle breath, this gentle breeze blows across him. And it's the sound of like human breath. Think about that with me for a moment. A baby is born on this planet, newly arrived on planet earth in order to take their first breath. They speak the name of God. That's the very first name in their mouth on our deathbed. And I've been on the deathbed, stood by the deathbed of many people as their pastor. And I've heard that last breath. But what if it's not just that we breathe our last, but that we no longer have the name of God on our lips. And so our spirit moves on. What about the moment when that atheist friend that you know looks across the the kitchen table at you and says, there is no, (sighs) that just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Of course, you, you you keep saying his name over and over and over, right? The one thing that we do every moment of our lives, we speak the name of God. And this makes the name of God our first and last word as we enter and leave this world. God's name. We can't help but speak it every moment that we live, all of us always, everywhere, waking, sleeping, name of God on our lips. What I love about this is there's no Islamic, no Christian, no Jewish way of breathing. There's no American, African, Asian, Latino way of breathing. There's no rich or poor, gay or straight, Republican or Democrat way of breathing. He is God, he is life. No one can control this breath of the Spirit. And we consider it in this way, God is suddenly as available and as accessible as the very thing that we do all the time. You know, some teachers, when they were trying to teach me how to pray, they would say, if you start to get distracted, stay with the breath, focus on the breath, the same breath that was breathed into Adam's nostrils in creation and he became a living soul. It's the same breath that Jesus gave over to his father on the cross when he said, into your hands, his last words, I commend my, and we we translate it spirit, but it's literally in Greek, breath. 
And listen to this verse after the resurrection. Now Jesus, resurrected, drew close enough to each of them that they could feel his breath. He breathed on them then said, welcome the Holy Spirit of the living God. And then listen to what the Bible says about what the Holy Spirit does. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs. The word that saves is right here, as near as the tongue in your mouth, as close as the heart in your chest. You know, in sadness, we breathe heavy sighs. In joy, our lungs feel almost like they're gonna explode. In fear, we hold our breath and have to be told, breathe, just breathe, right? When we're about to do something hard, we take a deep breath, try to gather our courage. It makes profound sense that the name of God is not a Hebrew word or an Egyptian word or a Latin or Greek or Arabic or Sanskrit or English word. Not in any single language, but in all of them. It transcends culture. It's life, breathing. Everyone who has ever lived or ever will live speaks his name every moment of life. So he surrounds us. In him we live, we move, we have our being. He's as available to you as your very next breath. So how do you get home? You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to travel far off somewhere. You don't have to climb some big mountain and try to find a guru or something like that. Right here, right now, you can come home. Maybe your mind is racing with all the chaos in your life. You've got everybody in town. They're all at your house. My mom-in-law's middle name is chaos, you know. But I want you to do something for me this afternoon. Let's take a moment. I want you to just close your eyes for a minute, okay? Close your eyes, and I want you just to focus on your breath for a minute. Just breathe deep in out and out as you speak his name I think even when I'm breathing through my nose now it sounds like that you know so whatever's most comfortable for you focus down close down all the chaos move from your head to your heart and as you quiet begin to do what Mary did it says that she meditated in her heart She remembered in her heart. What did she remember? God's promises, who he is, what he does. All the promises that he had made that he's fulfilling, that he's working even when we can't see it, that he is the way maker. He's the one who makes a way when there seems to be no way. Now you can look back up here. I asked Jared to come and sing that song. One of my favorites now, way maker. And Let me just tell you how to respond to this. Some of you, you don't sing. I know that. That's okay. Just let those words roll over in your mind. If you want to sing them with Jared, sing it. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, sit. Do whatever you need to do right now to remember who God is as we begin to move into his presence, as we begin to come home. Make that breakthrough. So we breathed his name, we've remembered his promises to us, and the only thing left to do, like Mary did, to move from our heads to our hearts is to simply say, 
Jesus, I'm listening. Father, I'm listening. I'll do whatever you say. That's what the humble servant does. Not explain it to me and then I'll decide. Not let me understand every little thing that's gonna happen and then I'll decide. But simply saying, I'm listening. I'll do whatever you say. I mean, do you think Mary understood the circumstances she was in? Do you think she really understood everything that was gonna happen in Jesus' life while he was here? I don't think there's any way she could. But she chose to trust her father. She chose to trust in a God who she knew was good. And it was with that kind of faith that says, I'll take your word for whatever it says. I believe you. I know you're good. I know you're going to accomplish the work that you've called me to do in my life. Because that's who you are. She counted her circumstances as nothing and God as everything. So if we're going to have a spiritual homecoming this Christmas, that's what it means. And I want to be really clear tonight. Mark and I aren't calling you to come home to religion. We're calling you to come home to a person, to God, to the one who loves you, the one who sent his son, Jesus, to be your savior. We're asking you to come home to his love, his forgiveness, his kindness, his goodness. He's calling you to that tonight. That's what it means to come home at Christmas. And the real question is, are you gonna take that little step of faith and say, God, I trust you? I'll do whatever it is you say. Are you gonna let this Christmas bypass you again without a relationship with the one who Christmas is all about? Romans 5, 1 and 2 says this, we throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us. He's waiting for us. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, whether you're religious or non-religious. I don't care if you're Buddhist or Catholic or Protestant or no religion at all. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship. That's what God wants with you. It's as simple as saying, God, I choose to trust you. I'm coming home to you tonight, and I'm asking you to make yourself at home in my heart. You know, I was thinking as as we close out, Christmas Eve service 2019 I thought how appropriate to go back I was reading the other day about Mary on that first Christmas night let me just read it to you as we close her body lay sapped of strength but her mind refused to give way to rest she ached for her mother she wondered does she even yet believe me the baby awoke in the night and began to wail she scooped him up in her arms her long hair draping his face, and she quietly slipped out of the gate. She gingerly sat down and leaned against the outside of the stable, propped the baby on her small lap, and she began to stare into his tiny face. She had not yet seen him in the light. She had never seen the moon so bright. Only hours old, his chin quivered, not from the cold, but from the sudden exposure of birth. His eyes were shaped like almonds and were as black as the deepest well. She held him tightly and quietly hummed a song she'd learned as a child. She had been so frightened of this moment, so sure she would not know what to do. She had never held an infant so small and he was God, wrapped in soft infant flesh with bones so fragile she felt like he could break. She had pictured this moment so many times. What would the son of the spirit look like? She never expected him to look so normal, so common. Must have been the part he inherited from his mother. 
she was so sure she'd feel terribly awkward, so afraid she'd drop him. She'd drop the Messiah and God would be awfully sorry he had given him to her. Instead, every doubt, every fear, every inadequacy was momentarily caught up in the indescribable rapture of a mother's affection. She looked into his delicate face and watched him closely as he seemed to stare deeply into the moonlit sky and she began to talk. Sweet baby boy, do you know who your daddy is? Do you know your name? Do you know why you're here? What do you see when you look out there? Can you see those stars? Do you remember their names? You're the one who named them. Do you think I'll do okay? Will you love me too? A tear dropped from her chin to his. He yawned and made such a funny expression. She grinned, wiping her face on the yellowed rag she had draped around him. Not a sound was coming from inside the stable. The earth stilled. The night quieted. The infant slept. She held the baby next to her face. And for just a moment, all the world was silent as Mary matched her breathing to the breath of God. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin candles up against the darkness. Dawn of redeeming 
I heard. Let your light shine this Christmas season. I love you, community of faith. Have a Merry Christmas.